on the topic of forget the rules. That is um, the week that we were on. In fact, for those of you who were wondering, we did not time this very well, because I actually did the uncomfortable cross last time around, and I could have dusted off my notes and done that one again. But um, for those wondering where he is, Dad, i.e. our lead pastor, Roger, is actually in the Dominican Republic this weekend, me meeting with architects about building the school and the church building that you guys have so um, generously donated the funds for. So that is in the works. So he is down there this weekend. So I get to share this weekend about Forget the Rules. I look around today, and, and church is so much different than it was for me, at least, when I was growing up. I've been a PK my whole life, pastor's kid. This is all I know. All I know is church. My dad's been a pastor since he was 20, so, of course, that's, you know, it's been in our family. It's a family tradition. But it is so different, and I am not just talking about the fact that we have church in a warehouse, which is a lot different than it was for me growing up. When I was growing up, and when I was younger and in church, there were a lot of rules to being a Christian, to being a churchgoer. I can remember vividly, there were an incredible number of rules. Women could not wear trousers in church. As you can see, I've kind of passed that one by, okay? Women could not have pierced ears. Yep, passed that one by too. In fact, my pastor back then, who I won't name, um, could give me, would quote me scripture and verse as to why I was not allowed to get my ears pierced when I was younger. Women could not wear makeup. There were a lot of rules. There were places you could go. There were places you could not go. Could not go to the movie theater. Could not go to different places throughout. There were things that you couldn't do on Sunday. Sunday was totally about you had to be in church, and between services in church, basically we stared at the walls because we weren't allowed to play, we weren't allowed to do things because it was Sunday and you didn't do that, you had to wear your Sunday best all day. And we got to listen to Bill Gaither Trio records all day. All day was uh, dad had these records, and man, we thought they were the bee's knees at, at that point because we were getting to listen to something. But there were so many rules that came along with being a Christian and came along with being a churchgoer. Most of those actually man-made rules, but there were a lot of things that we weren't allowed to do. And the problem is that when we concentrate on rules, the problem is we can drive people away. I, thanks to Facebook, I'm able to keep up with a lot of my friends from those days from uh, thousands of miles away where I grew up. And I'm able to look now and I can see them. And, a lot of those kids who I spent Sundays staring at the wall with because there was really nothing else we were allowed to do, who I spent time during school in different classrooms because the activity was not something that a Christian would do. The, 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 the people who lived under the same rules as I, it breaks my heart now because so many of them want absolutely nothing to do with Christianity and they want absolutely nothing to do with church anymore. And it breaks my heart to see where they are at now. And part of me wonders if it's because at that time the emphasis was placed on rules and not on a relationship with Christ. We were told what we had to do, what we weren't allowed to do, but maybe we were never told well enough that it all stems from a relationship with Christ. See, the problem being that it can become so easy for us to become less like Christ instead of being more like him if we are completely consumed with 
keeping rules, making up rules, and for a lot of the time, making sure that everybody else is keeping the rules and telling them about it if they're not. In fact, this actually brought Jesus into conflict with the religious leaders, the Pharisees of his time. And they saw that their role was actually about making people sure that they all knew God's rules and that they kept them. In fact, he said this about the Pharisees in Matthew 23 and 4. He said this, They tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. See, the Pharisees of that time were so busy making sure people knew the rules, making sure they kept the rules. They were weighing these people down with these heavy, cumbersome load of rules, and that's not what Jesus was about. In fact, Jesus said um, a couple of chapters earlier in Matthew 11, he said this, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. He wasn't talking about weighing us down. He was talking about coming to him, having a relationship with him, and he would give rest for that. Of course, the King James Version, for those of us who remember it from back then, actually talks about those who labor and are heavy laden, heavy laden, laden down with the weight of everything. The message of the gospel, you see, is not a message that is load-bearing. It's a message that is load-lifting. It's a life-giving message of hope through Jesus. It's not an endless list of rules that make us feel bad because we're never going to be able to keep them. It's about having a relationship with Jesus, about having a relationship with him. See, Jesus doesn't shout to us, keep the rules. Make sure you keep every single rule. Make sure you do this. Make sure you do that. Make sure you don't do the other thing. He whispers to us, come to me. Come to me and I will give you rest. It's not about how good we are. It's not about how right we are. Not about how religious we are. It's all about knowing Jesus. It's all about having a relationship with Jesus. God's word does provide us with both guidance and commandments. So I'm not saying this morning there are not rules. God's word does provide us with some commandments Ten Commandments being the best example, but then there are other things, laws of God. But here's the thing. If you look at all of those, if you look at those, they're there to protect us. They're there not to make us miserable. They're there to guide us. They're there to help us. They're not there to weigh us down. And here's the thing. Here is the truth. Not one person in here is ever going to be able to keep all of God's rules and all of God's laws perfectly. No one is ever going to be able to do that. If my salvation, if my eternal destiny, if my, if my guarantee of getting to heaven depended on whether I was able to keep every single rule and every single thing that I thought I had to keep, I would not be able to get there. It doesn't come down to that. Jesus did not come to this earth. He didn't live as a man. He didn't die an excruciating death just to help us be better at keeping the rules. He died to bridge the gap between me and God that all my best, best efforts could never achieve. So today I want to say to you, fans are rule keepers, followers have a relationship. Followers have a relationship. That is what all this is based on. 
It is not based on keeping the rules. And this morning, I just wanted to go over a few things that I've noticed about rules and a few things that come out of the Bible about rules. Number one is this. Rules are about others. Usually, rules are about others. If we're being honest, right? We love to check and see if everybody else is keeping the rules and make sure that you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. You know, now you're a Christian. That's not what you should be doing. This is what you should be doing. So often, rules are about others. January 20th, NFL game, for those who watch football, NFC championship game, Rams versus the Saints. So at the end of that game, towards the end of that game, there was a missed pass interference call on a Rams player that if you are anything into sports, if you're into football, if you're into whatever, you heard the New Orleans Saints players, fans, and everybody else complaining about for weeks, it felt like, ad nauseum, about the fact that this missed call was the reason that they did not make it to the Super Bowl. This one missed call was the reason they weren't going to the big game. And you heard them go on and on and on. There were calls for the game to be replayed. There were calls for the last however many minutes of the game to re be replayed. There were all these things that the New Orleans Saints um, fans and, and actually a lot of other people were complaining about. But actually, if you look back on that game, there were at least three missed calls that were made that would have actually helped the Rams. So actually, if those three missed calls had been called, there maybe is a chance that the Rams would have been so far ahead that actually the missed call at the end wouldn't have made a difference. Now, you didn't hear too many New Orleans Saints fans, and I'm sorry if there's any in here today, you didn't hear too many of them saying, well, you know, we kind of got away with three missed calls ourselves, so... No, because usually when we come to the rules, we talk about the fact that rules apply to others. There's a great story in the Bible, actually, that illustrates this in the book of John. Here's what it says. Je Jesus went across to Mount Olives, but he was soon back in the temple again. Swarms of people came to him. He sat down and taught them. The religion scholars and Pharisees led in a woman who had been caught in an act of adultery. They stood her in plain sight of everyone and said, Teacher, this woman was caught red-handed in the act of adultery. Moses, in the law, gives orders to stone such persons. What do you say? They were trying to tra trap him into saying something incriminating so they could bring charges against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger in the dirt. They kept at him, badgering him. He straightened up and said, The sinless one among you... Go first, throw the stone. Bending down again, he wrote some more in the dirt. Hearing that, they walked away, one after another, beginning with the oldest. The man was left alone. Jesus stood up and spoke to her. Woman, where are they? Does no one condemn you? No one, master. Neither do I, said Jesus. Go on your way. From now on, don't sin. See, Here's how this went, is these people were looking for ways to tra trap Jesus, to trick Jesus. But at the end of the day, what Jesus did was this. He didn't condone her sin, but he didn't condemn her either. He encouraged her, he told her at the end, to alter her lifestyle. And my guess would be, because he told her that, because he, sho she, he showed her compassion, 
she would have been more likely to actually change her lifestyle. He didn't put her down. He didn't tell her all the rules that she was breaking. He could have had her stoned. But here he was showing compassion. See, rules are so easily projected onto other people, causing us to put others down when we should be building them up, causing us to seem like we are so much better than others and therefore making people feel worse about themselves. That's the problem with rules. Love covers a multitude of sins. Love cares, love encourages, love looks for the good in others, not just whether they are keeping the rules. Rules are so easily projected onto others if that is what we are worrying about. Instead, we should be worrying about others in a way that we love them, encourage them in their relationship with Christ. And from that, they will be built up. See, it comes down to this. Fans are rule keepers. Followers have a relationship. And this morning, we want to make sure that as followers of Christ, we also encourage other people in being a follower of Christ and help them to keep the rules. The second thing that rules do is this. Rules inflate egos. We've all met them. The how good a Christian am I person. Sure, there's none in here today. But they were around in Jesus' time. In fact, in the book of Luke, there's a story that he tells about them. And he says this. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humbled themselves will be exalted. Rules inflate egos. See, rules give a yardstick to measure ourselves on, a way to keep score. And fans like to keep score. Fans like to know exactly where they are in the game, how the game is going, and what is happening. Score is how you keep track of that. But here's the thing. Followers of Jesus realize that we can never keep all the rules if we rely on our own strength anyway. So really, a yardstick of rules doesn't help us at all because it doesn't depend on that. Ephesians 2 says this, For it is grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. See, a fan says, I don't need help. I can do this. I'm working hard at this. I got this. You don't need to help me with this. So fans spend their lives carrying around the burden of religion, trying to prove that they're good enough, trying to prove that they got this, that they don't need help, but all the time knowing inside that they are not. I don't want to live with that guilt and with that fear. I'm a follower of Jesus, relying solely on all that he has done. 
and I hope that that's where we all are shooting to be and shooting to go to. I'm not, was not, will never be good enough. And that is why I'm thankful when Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Rest from trying to keep score, rest from trying to keep up the rules, rest from trying to be the best that I think that I should be. I'm so thankful. See, Jesus doesn't come to add to our load. He calls us to come so that we can find rest, so that we can stop struggling, so that we can stop battling, stop relying on our strengths, and start relying completely, completely on him. And sometimes, for a lot of us, that can be hard because we are so used to the grind. We're so used to trying to do things our own way. We're so used to being driven by our ego because we want to be the best, because we want to look the best in front of those that are around us. But when we, want, when we become true followers of Jesus, when we enter into a true relationship with him, when we move from being a fan, a spectator, to being an all-in follower, see, that changes. Because we go from it being all about me to it being all about he. When we are in a true relationship, it becomes about me pleasing God. And when I'm in a relationship, that becomes easier for me to do and for me to follow his ways, not a problem. July 2nd, 2010, Eric and I stood up in front of a small group of uh, friends and family, I guess, basically in a field in Connecticut, and we, we agreed to some rules, I guess you would call them, okay? They call them marriage vows, but they're kind of rules. Anybody who's married kind of knows how that goes, okay? So we, we stood up there and we agreed to um, some rules. We agreed that we were going to love each other. We were going to honor each other. We were going to be faithful to each other. We would be committed to each other in sickness and in health and a lot of other things that we agreed to on that day. We agreed to follow those rules. I did not at any point that day, as far as I know, agree that I would never ever again cook or even bring into my house onions and garlic. But that's what happened, okay? Now, here is the thing. I did not really realize once upon a time that those things could not be around my house because my husband detests them. In fact, it's bad news if he gets anywhere near them taste them, smell them, anything. So we don't have those in my house. Now, here's the thing. I love onions and garlic. Absolutely love them. In fact, Eric was just away for five days, and somehow I hope the smell has gone because I have cooked those pretty much for the whole week, okay? I love those things, but I love Eric more. And that's what happens when we become into a true relationship with God. See, there are th some things that God tells us not to do that actually we may enjoy doing. But when we come into a true relationship with God, when it become close to God, when I become close to him, it's about, not about me anymore. It's about what pleases him. It's about what makes him happy. And it becomes easier for me to do the closer I come in a relationship with him. When we become true followers of Christ, when we enter into a true relationship with him, when we move from being a fan, a spectator, to being an all-in follower, our egos don't matter anymore. 
because it's all about what I am willing to do to make God happy. In the end, it's the grace and the love of God and our love for God that inspires us to live for him. It is not because somebody said, this is what you have to do. It is because I love God so much that I do these things for him. Augustine of Hippo, uh, back in the fourth century, said this, love God and do as you please. Now, looking at that statement to anybody else who's not in a church setting might look at that and say, wow, I need to become one of those Christians. That's what I want to do. But actually, the power of this statement, the truth of this statement, actually comes in the order of this statement. Because here's the thing. When we love God, when we are in relationship with God, what pleases God is going to be what pleases us, and vice versa. We are going to be pleased by the things that please God. God is going to be pleased by the things that we are doing. It, basically, it's going to be an ongoing um, circle there. Our priority, our emphasis, our focus has to be on loving God. It has to be about being in a relationship with God. It's about being a follower. Fans are rule keepers. Followers have relationship. And this morning, we need to decide where are we in that equation. Are we going to be somebody whose ego means that I want to keep the rules? Because if I'm keeping the rules, people can actually see what I'm doing and how I'm doing. Or are we going to be people who want to have a relationship? And as part of that relationship, we're going to want to do the things that please God. Not because we're being told, but because we know God. We are in this relationship. We are one with him, and we know these things. Fans are rule keepers. Followers have a relationship. And thirdly, let me say this. Rules tend to drive people away. I've seen that with the kids I grew up with. So many of them. We lived under a lot of rules, and now I wonder, is that why they're nowhere spiritually at this time? Is that what's going on? And for some of you, you may see that in your families. You may have seen that with people that you know. See, the problem is this. If we hit people with the rule book as soon as they walk in the door of a church, or if we bombard our kids with the rules as they grow up, without leading them first into a relationship with Christ, there's a very good chance that they're going to walk away from both Jesus and the rules. So what we need to do is kind of flip that switch. Remind them that it's all about being in a relationship with Jesus. That's what this all boils down to. It is not this big rule book that we will never, ever be able to keep anyway, despite our best, best efforts. It's about getting to know God. It's about spending time with God. All the things that relationships require, that is what is going to help people to become followers of Christ. The best way, of course, to lead anybody is to model ourselves being followers of Christ. And yes, for those who are followers of Christ, there are going to be things that you don't do. There are going to be places that you don't go. There are going to be words that you're not going to say. 
There are going to be behaviors that you are going to abstain from. But that is not because we say, this is what you need to do, this is what you need to do, this is what you need to do. It's because as you come closer into this relationship with God, it becomes less about me and it becomes more about he. It becomes what pleases him. It becomes what makes him happy. It becomes I want to please God. when I. So I do these things because I am in a relationship with him. Those things become your onions and garlic, okay? You give them up willingly because you know what? I'm okay with that if that means I'm in a relationship with God. I become a follower of Jesus Christ. Christianity, first and foremost, is about the following of Jesus Christ. See, we're not called to recruit people into a set of standards. We're not called to recruit people into a regiment and say, this is what you have to do if you need, want to be in the Christ family. We're called, to bring Jesus, we're called to bring people into a relationship with Jesus. We're called to bring people into a relationship with the man who whispers, follow me. When that happens, things change. And when that happens, there are going to be things in people's lives that are going to be modified. But first, it's about being in a relationship, a true relationship with Jesus Christ. Spending time in his word, spending time praying, spending time listening. Don't have to talk all the time. You can listen sometimes. Spending time doing all those things that you would do if this was a relationship with somebody you're standing in front of you. Same thing. Spending time with Jesus Christ becoming deeper and deeper into a relationship with him. One of my um, jobs, roles, I guess, around here is I take care of our social media accounts. So Facebook, Instagram, um, yeah, I think that's as far. I've avoided Snapchat. I don't understand it. So uh, we're not on that one yet. So I take care of those. And the other day, I was looking through um, some graphics to post. And this graphic um, came up there. Tattoos, welcome here. Don't worry, we have them too. And this was from a church organization that I, I get some graphics from. And in the beginning, that made me chuckle. It was like, yeah, that's kind of cute, kind of funny. I didn't post it because I, to the best of my knowledge, I don't think we have a single staff member who has a single tattoo. Um, I know some of you are making up for that for us, but... <laughs> he, but I looked at that, and the more I looked at it, I chuckled to start with, it started to make me sad. And I'll be honest, this is why it made me sad. I understand, growing up, tattoos. A tattoo was basically your ticket to sit in the hottest place of, in hell, probably next to the devil himself, because that's the only people who got tattoos, and that's where they were going. And we laugh about it, but it's tragic. It is tragic to think that we decided that that was a rule, and I realize you can find scriptures against whatever else, but it's the fact that we have probably ostracized an incredible number of people by saying that tattoos were not welcome here. And I hope this morning, if that is you, if you've been hurt by rule pushers, if you've been hurt by rule keepers, I hope you know this morning that you, in this place, have a place where we're not about rules. We're about relationship. You know what? If that's what you choose to do, 
God bless you. I don't have them because I don't agree with them. I, I don't have them because I, I change my comforter set every three months. I cannot decide what I'm having permanently attached to my body, okay? So I, that, that is the reason. And some of you have been hurt before by Christians, by churches, for things that you have, not just tattoos. It may be that there are some other rules that you have not conformed to when it comes to churches, okay? It may be that you've been felt like you're not welcome because of some of the things that are part of your story. Hey, there's some places this morning where they'd have a hard time with the preacher up here today because divorce is part of our story. That's not what it's about. It's about relationship. It's about my heart. It's not about my journey. It's about where I am. Where I am is what this is all about. So I'm sorry if today you are sitting here and you are bitter and you have been hurt in the past by somebody. And I hope this morning you realize it's not what it's about. It's about spending time with him. It's about having a relationship with him. And this morning as I look around, I don't know what your story is. I don't know what and most of the stories are in here. I don't know if rules have deterred you from a relationship with Christ or if you're a follower of Christ who still harbors some hurt or some bitterness because of how you've been treated with regards to rules. But today I want to tell you this. There is freedom found in being a true Christ follower. There is a freedom. We are not bound by this is what we have to do, this is what we have to do. There is a freedom found in going to the man who said, I will give you rest. I'm not saying that you become a follower of Christ and all bad things cease happening to you and life will be hunky-dory. But what I am saying is, is when those things in life come, when the storms come through, you're not alone. You have the man who has promised you rest right there alongside you. And that is what happens when you become into a relationship with God. This morning, Jesus whispers to you, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And this morning, I just want to encourage you, wherever you are in your story, if you are somebody who does harbor resentment about the way you've been treated because of rules, today's the day to let that go. Today's the day to say, you know what, God, I give that to you. I concentrate on my relationship. I let others take care of their relationship and what they've said to me. But today, I, I just concentrate on you. Or maybe you're somebody who's never followed Jesus before. And today, maybe is the first day and a good day for you to say, you know what? Today's the day I want to start. Today's the day I want to say, I'm ready to follow Jesus. I'm ready to lay down trying as hard as I can. Because most of us, even when we weren't followers of Christ, we're still trying to be good as much as we could. And sadly, my hardest efforts are not going to get me into, are not going to give me salvation. It comes when you follow Jesus Christ. And maybe today is the day that you're going to do that. So we're going to pray.